Hi, I'm Maria Theoharis Sews, and you're listening to a new Sewing Save and Mending episode of Sew Organised Style Podcast. Grab a cuppa and relax. Sew Organised Style Podcast acknowledges traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognises the continuing connection to lands, waters and community. We pay our respects to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander cultures and to the Elders past, present and emerging. Welcome back to today's Sewing Save Mending podcast featuring Kate Ward, an Australian living in Canada, who is Zen Stitching. In this first episode, Kate introduces her textile arts training and how Zen Stitching came about. There'll be more podcasts from Kate in future episodes. So let's welcome Kate of Zen Stitching. Kate, thank you for coming on to Sew Organised Style Podcast. We've been doing a few sewing safe sessions and sessions on mending. And I know that listeners are going to be really thrilled to hear you and talk about what it is that you do when it comes to stitching. So Kate, thank you for coming on to the podcast. Thank you. It's lovely to be here. It's a delight to have a chat with you today. And just so that listeners know, okay, this is an Australian podcast and Kate, you're Australian too, aren't you? That's correct. Yep. I'm an Aussie, but I'm um, chatting all the way from Nova Scotia in Canada, where it's pretty chilly at the moment. It's such a contrast for you to be in a cold country in January, whereas in Australia, it's usually pretty hot at this time of year. Yes, absolutely. I'm missing those trips to the beach and, you know, popping down for a quick swim to cool off. (laughs) I'm missing those right now, even though it's too cold, but my mind's always in Australia in January. (laughs) I can understand that. (laughs) So Kate, can you let our listeners know about your background and how you got to stitching? Yes, absolutely. Well, I've always been a creative. I think um, there's pictures of me in our photo album and I must be about four or something like that. And I'm sitting on my grandpa's farm and he had a farm in Young in New South Wales. And I'm sitting on the veranda and I'm clutching these two knitting needles in my hand. I'm so small, my feet can't touch the ground. And there's this look of concentration on my face as I'm focusing on these needles. And I think that kind of picture really spells out who I am. These days I knit and my feet touch the floor. (laughs) But I still have that love of creativity and also um, the environment as well and animals and all that kind of good stuff. But I kind of throughout my life, I've always been creative and it's very lucky to have family who was very encouraging of creativity and uh, to the point where they actually encouraged me to go to art school. So go and further my career or studies at, at a university level. So I was incredibly fortunate to study at the Canberra School of Art, part of the ANU University. And it was there that it really opened my eyes to just the possibilities of creativity, not just the making, but also the learning and learning to push ideas and grow, I guess, as an artist. So you learn the skills, but then there's also the the thinking side of things as well. And I also think that people who are creative are always interested in learning. There's always something new to learn, something new to discover. And for me, the best way of learning is through experience 
I've always had a passion for other cultures and I think it was just after art school I'd graduated and one of my uh, designs had been accepted into the Wearable Art Awards in New Zealand. So I thought, well, this is a perfect opportunity to pop over and go and see some of the world and go and see my designs walking down a catwalk. So that kind of was my first taste of traveling combined with textiles and combined with creating. And that's kind of set the scene, I think you could say, from for how I've approached my life ever since I travel, I get inspired, and I combine my art at the same time. And that's kind of how I got to Nova Scotia today, actually. Totally bizarre, totally crazy story. And in fact, because I've been here seven years now, if you had told me seven years ago I'd be living in Canada, I would have thought you'd pretty crazy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and just through circumstance, I came over here to do a artist in residence program in Halifax and absolutely loved the place. Halifax is kind of like Sydney, but on a much smaller scale. So I think it's about the same size as Canberra, but on a harbour like Sydney. Wow. Yeah, it's, it's pretty beautiful. And the people here are just delightful as well. And so I decided this would be a good spot for me to go back and further my studies a bit more. And so I did my master's here in textiles and I met a beautiful man and have been here ever since. You know, that's <laughs> two lots of wonderful there. Oh, it's a lot of wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> when you were studying, were there any artists that inspired you? There's a couple of artists who I found really inspiring and one was a Japanese textile designer called Junichi Arai. He was at the time, so this was the late 90s, really instrumental in pushing fabrics to, he was working with metallic fabrics that were also see-through and then manipulating them with shibori techniques and, and different dye techniques as well. So he's probably one person that I really admire and I guess the Japanese aesthetic has always been something that I look to as well. It's so complex but so simple at the same time and I love that contradiction and I think that's what I keep aiming to achieve in my work is something that is simple and it's a difficult way to describe it because simplicity is actually incredibly difficult to achieve Mm -hmm. I find anyway I mean we've had people on the podcast who also absolutely love using Japanese fabrics but again they use fairly simple patterns so that the fabric is what you see because that's what's so special absolutely well when you think about all of the a lot of the Japanese fabrics are dyed and hand manipulated so you really do want the fabric to speak for the garment or the the art piece rather than kind of over embellishing I guess or want of a word or complicating Mm. yeah everything they do is just absolutely exquisite and so much thought and detail gets put into every action. Seven years down the track of living in Canada how did you (laughs) develop Zen stitching? Uh, that's an awesome question. <laughs> and like most things in my life, they're serendipitous, I would say. Whilst I was going through art school, I was also 
teaching a lot of art processes on the side, both at university and also at um, like adult education. So I was pretty much teaching textile skills, indigo dyeing and shibori and some embroidery techniques. I became aware of the sashiko stitches and I was instantly drawn to them because I love the way that they're so complex. Yet when they're broken down into individual steps, it's quite a systematic way of creating them. I think the logical part of my brain was really, you know, kind of captured by that. So I sat down to figure out how these complex looking designs were actually quite easy. Through the process, I was asking how I could find the materials that I would need to create this specific style of stitching. One conversation led to another and a lady who supplied the materials, she's like, oh, I'd love you to teach a course in this. Would you be interested? And I'm like, yeah, okay, sure, no worries. But then I had to create a sampler for the course because generally everything's all hands-on in a course and you just kind of create whilst you're there. So I actually had to sit down and do this stitching for the sampler. And of course I was rushing around here and I was rushing around there and trying to juggle a million things at once, a sampler on top of it. And so I came to realize through making time to sit and stitch that I actually felt a great deal of peace and calmness. So I could have a frantic day rushing from one teaching job to the next to the next. But as soon as I sat down and did some stitching, I really started to feel quite grounded and I don't know, kind of carefree. I'm I'm just gesturing like things are lifting off my shoulders. <laughs> it's a weight off your shoulders, yeah, as you're stitching. Yeah, absolutely. And as I came to realize just how much I enjoyed it and the therapeutic properties of it, that's kind of, I think, just in conversation with my partner, we were talking about how Zen it could be, and it just kind of grew from there. Sometimes partners are really handy to have, aren't they? <laughs> <laughs> oh, you bet. <laughs> Incredibly insightful, yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's good because, you know, you're in the middle of doing everything and then they can just see what's happening from a high level perspective and then they'll give you their input. And it actually is a really good observation for you. Oh, absolutely. That just makes me think, you know, quite often we're, when we're creating, we, it's generally a quite a, you know, it's a generally private or it's in our own home and you don't really share the thoughts and experiences with others. Mm. And that I find as an artist is one of the downfalls because the moment you start talking about your ideas and your inspiration, you're suddenly getting feedback and that's where an idea can grow and grow and grow. And so that's why I love having these conversations with my partner because it goes from just being something that's stuck in my head to something that really is quite fun, you know. It's, It's really enjoyable kind of discussing these things. That demonstrates how you're very open to new ideas, to different cultures, and that openness allows you to have feedback from your partner or whoever to then continue on with the design or the idea that you've got to come up with something that is amazing. Yeah, absolutely. And I feel that's kind of maybe one of the strengths of of Zen stitching is because we get together as a group and we discuss our ideas and 
we discuss our designs and we're discussing what we're working on. And it's just a really lovely way of connecting and, and community. And yeah, it's just one idea inspires the next, which grows to the next, which grows to the next. So yeah, it's, it's all about keeping an open mind, that's for sure. Well, now that you've started talking about what Zen stitching is, how does it work? So the great thing about Zen stitching is, and this is one of the other things that why I just love it so much, is it the materials you need. It's so simple. You don't need to have like a whole art room full of bits and pieces. All you need is a needle and some thread and some material. And, and they're, they're your basics. You can choose to kind of upscale if you want and use a particular sashiko needle and the particular thread. But when I got started, I just used what I had at home because I'm too impatient to wait. <laughs> you just got to get started straight away. And um, that's why I like it is so accessible for all, you know. If you, a lot of people have like those little sewing kits from hotels and stuff like that. And you can start your Zen stitching there with those basic things, the needle and the thread. And so the Zen part about it is, well, I guess there's a couple of things. Generally, when you're sitting and you're stitching, you're sitting in one spot. So you're not racing around. I have like have a favorite chair at home. So, you know, that's part of the Zen process as well. And yeah favorite mug <laughs> and um, so you're kind of like setting up the groundwork for it and then with the actual stitching itself it's sometimes it's mindful mending mm. and one of the great things about the sashiko is it's just a running stitch which is just moving your needle up and down through the fabric there's no particular process that you have to remember or way of wrapping the needle and thread anything like that it's a, a running stitch which is the most basic of stitches but there's something about being still feeling the fabric between your fingers the sound of the thread as it's being pulled through the fabric and it kind of takes you I think because your focus is so much on what's at hand it kind of takes your mind and you're focusing on what you're working on which means that all those other bits and pieces that are bobbing in and around your head suddenly become secondary. They're still going to be there, but you're kind of just focusing on, on the present. So that kind of mindfulness, that's kind of like your, just your way of, my way anyway, of, of getting grounded yeah. and kind of just relaxing again. And there's been a lot of studies that have been undertaken to see the scientific side of this as well. Because they say that stitching and sewing, a lot of the crafts, it's like an active meditation because we are focusing on what's at hand. And that active meditation gives you the same benefits as meditating. So yeah. if you were to sit in a room and close your eyes and focus on your breathing, it's that same process. But one added bonus is you have this beautiful thing at the end of it too so you've either got something that's repaired or you've got something beautiful that you're embellishing so I think you've got a, a double bonus there it sounds like it whether you're meditating or using zen stitching to meditate you get a piece of something at the end of it that you can actually show as well as being a lot calmer <laughs> that's right that goes into all these other great benefits as well. You know, these feelings of achievement and, you know, it's, it's a great discussion point so you can talk about it and show your friends and family. So it's so beneficial on so many levels. 
the point that you also brought in was that you don't need specific needles, specific thread or specific fabric. And I love your idea that you can even just start with the travel kit. You know, you can just start by using that simple needle and those threads that you've already been given. Yes, absolutely. I guess from my environmental kind of point of view, that also speaks to me as well. I love that you don't need to have a whole lot of stuff to start creating. And it's probably one of the reasons why I keep returning back to it as well, because sometimes it's not always available to have a studio where you can get messy and throw paint around or Mm. ceramic. But, you know, you can always take your needle and thread with you. And back in the days when you could fly um, or more freely than we can right now, mm. it's fabulous because you could also take it on a plane, and which is, you know, you don't have to worry about too much space. Sometimes you have to worry about stretching your arm out too far if you've got a long bit of thread. <laughs> it's a very, very nice way to pass the time in isolation too right now. Yeah. So, Kate, is there anything more that listeners should know about zen stitching if they want to start so once you have just the basics at hand so some a needle and some thread and some fabric I started my journey uh, mending a pair of jeans so I was learning how to apply all these stitches to my very much loved pair of jeans then the next step if you if you're interested is to learn some of the different patterns and how to apply these different patterns onto your jeans uh, i would suggest the first place is to just do some running stitch mm-hmm. and then as you feel more comfortable then you can start to apply some of these different patterns to your repertoire and i've even put together a document that kind of goes through all of these processes step by step from the needle and the thread and how to choose them, what fabrics work best, and then how to transfer your designs onto fabric. That can be found at zenstitching.ca forward slash the ultimate guide. Okay, that's really good. I know that people can quite easily go onto Instagram and look at the hashtag for Sashiko or Visible Mending, but having a reference, like you've mentioned, which has a lot of information for people who really want structure, that's a really good option to have. Yeah. And it kind of, it breaks it down because like you say, when you're seeing all these beautiful visuals on Instagram and you're like, wow, they're amazing. And then you start sewing them for yourself and you realize that it's a little bit more tricky than maybe you had anticipated. Mm -hmm. This document has a couple of different tips and tricks on how to get those beautiful straight stitches and to sew in straight lines. So it's, For me, I'm sharing all of the kind of like the trial and error that I went through to get those beautiful stitches looking like they should. Well, Kate, thanks again for coming on to the Sew Organised Style podcast. We've had a lot of people who are interested in sewing saves and mending and your sashiko stitching is one of those techniques that people in the mending sphere love like you wouldn't believe. So thank you again for coming on to the podcast. Oh, it's an absolute pleasure. Thank you so much for having me on. And have a lovely day, listeners. This Sewing, Save and Mending episode of Sew Organised Style Podcast was produced by me, Maria Theoharis, with permission of Kate, soundbybensound.com. You'll hear more from Kate in future Sewing, Save and Mending podcasts. All of Kate references are on her website at zenstitching.ca as well as on our website, soorganisedstyle.com. 
You can subscribe to So Organised Style Podcasts, but with an S not a Z, on Apple, Spotify, Amazon Music, Google, Stitcher and anywhere you listen to good podcasts. Post any questions or suggestions on our website at soorganisedstyle.com, on our So Organised Style Instagram account or on our Facebook page. We look forward to joining you in your sewing room next time. Stay safe, everyone.